So, we're trying a new format, folks. So, instead of the watch-along format, we're actually just going to discuss the movie. If you've seen the movie, cool. If you haven't seen it, cool. You'll still enjoy this podcast, I think. Because we're not watching the movie. Of course, we watched it earlier the week. I watched it about two weeks ago. Nick here watched it. Well, he says he watched it, but who knows? I literally watched it just today. I think he accidentally watched probably one of the sequels, and he thinks he watched the first one. But we'll find out soon enough if he actually watched the first one. If you ever hear me talk about Shriekers, we'll know that I watched the wrong movie. Let me let me start there and say that I've never seen any of the Tremors sequels. But where I'm coming from, the first Tremors movie is one of my favorite movies. Uh, well, I won't go that far. I'm going to say it's one of my most favorite nostalgic childhood movies because it used to come on USA like at 1 o'clock in the morning every Friday night and so I saw the TV version about 5,000 times and I think finally like five years ago I saw the actual real version but it's PG-13 so it wasn't like there was a lot missing on the TV version do you remember seeing it as a kid or was it kind of like for you just uh, for me I saw again as you brought up it came on USA almost every single time it was almost a universal movie for USA thinking, hey, what movie should we throw on this time slot? Nah, just do Tremors. But we've done it like 15 times. People like it. <sighs> After seeing it so many times, I got so bored of it. Last time I watched it, I was 13. I didn't I didn't even pick up the movie again until just today, right before we came here. Yeah, you know, um, I saw about three years ago, I finally sold out and started collecting Blu-rays. I'd built up an amazing DVD collection over the course of like 15 years, and I swore never sell out to the Blu-rays because once you start buying those, then they come out with 4K Blu-rays. Now you're in a, a vicious cycle that's going to continue forever. But I did sell out and start getting Blu-rays, and you know, probably about six months ago, I finally got Tremors on Blu-ray, and of course now I'm seeing ads for a brand new special edition coming out to Blu-ray and 4K. But <laughs> I got it six months ago, so I watched it just a few weeks ago, and um, well, We'll get into the thoughts there in a minute, but I have to say that loved it growing up. Super nostalgic about it. I miss USA playing movies like that. Remember in the back of the day, they used to have like USA Up All Night. They used to have like, they would play like good horror movies late at night. All the cable stations. Now, I don't feel like they do that as much. No, no, because nobody likes horror anymore, it feels like. That's true. And it actually really annoys me because horror is a really great genre, especially when done right. And when done wrong, it's just fun to sit there and laugh. You're talking about the many children, the corn sequels? No, those are just pitiful in general. Ah, okay. Gotcha. The only the, the only children of the corn movies I watch is one, two, and three, and then I stop. That's two more than I've seen. I know the first one, the first one's classic, but I refuse unless tied up by Jigsaw and forced to watch the sequels with my life on the line. Otherwise I refuse to watch. Oh don't worry, this sequels. podcast will make you do it. Oh damn it. Well, okay. That might be the deal breaker. God damn it. When we get to, when we get to the last thing we haven't seen is Children of the Corn, the series, I may throw in the towel and say it's time to move on. Or I may change the whole format and be like, hey, let's just watch Disney movies and comment on Pocahontas and Beauty the Beast. Well, no, there's a few there's a few uh, Disney movies we could watch, like Scream Team. Oh. Scream Team, Halloween Town, Hocus Pocus. Not interested. How dare you? Hocus Pocus, classic. How dare you say not interested in Hocus Pocus? <laughs> That's like the next generation. Like, my, my Disney fandom ended with, like, Boy Meets World. Not even Girl Meets World. Boy Meets World. About to say, Girl Meets World, all of us stopped watching Disney at that point. What would you think of Girl Meets World? It sucked ass. Trevor, just to give some quick background on the very little... Um, well, I researched it, but I've also seen the movie a million times but the movie came out in 1990 did not make a lot of money in its theatrical run but at that time you had the home video craze so it ended up making a lot of money on vhs and up or tripling in profit based on its vhs rentals and then as we said it was then showed on tv for like the next 30 years so let's get into the movies what most people will understand or know about tremors first thing which stands out is the monsters oh yeah the giant worm thingies graboids graboids did they say Graboids in this movie, or did that come the name they, later they on? They did say the name. It was mainly meant as a joke, because the way when they were talking about the name, it was Mr. It was the uh, Mr. Chang. Yes. And the kid Melvin was talking about what to call the monsters, because they that, were thinking about making bank off of the discovery. You're talking about the little son of a bitch Melvin who kept playing pranks and kept joking with them, and then just like was on top of the shed thing for like the whole movie, basically. Yes. Crying like a little biatch. Yes. I hate that kid. So did I. I'm still wondering why he As much as I like all the characters, he's the one character that really um, walks that fine line of annoying and... You know what I noticed about you, though? What? You really hate the jokesters. Yeah. I So my rule with jokesters is that I, I appreciate them as long as they get their comeuppance. Every jokester should... Eventually, that should be their downfall is their... Their ability to be annoying and play pranks should come back to haunt them. Now, we saw in Friday 13th Bar 2, that damn jokester got away. Well, yeah, because he didn't go back to camp. He was smart. He got drunk. 
yeah, of all the characters Jason could have killed, I wanted to see him die in a, in a prankful fashion. Didn't get his comeuppance. Shelly got his comeuppance. Loved the character. Yeah, he didn't really get that good of a comeuppance because he didn't die during a prank. He died off screen. The guy got his throat slit, though. That's comeuppance. He died <laughs> off screen. Well, that's the... We could have at least gotten him to die, like, maybe thinking about trying to pull a prank on the girl again, and Jason just well, comes up and drowns his ass. Well, true. That's a fail on the director and the writer's part. But what I'm saying is that... Or hell, they could have been at least nice to Shelly and let him, have, let him kiss yeah. the damn girl. Here's where they played it off. Well, I could... They, here's <laughs> where they paid off, though, is that... Remember, when his throat is slid, he finds the one uh, fake Cheech and Chong character, and she doesn't believe him. Oh, yeah, Chong. She doesn't believe him because he's played the prank, so she thinks his slit throat is like... It's, nothing, it's not like she could have helped him at that point, but at least they paid off somewhat. So, comeuppance, good. Melvin's ass... Should have got eaten by the Graboids. But his basketball got eaten. Isn't that enough? No, it's an insult to the game of basketball. First of all, the kid can't play basketball, right? Oh, no. He didn't, I didn't know how to dribble. I didn't see any basketball hoop anywhere in that damn in that scene or that, in that whole town. So so why he had a basketball, there's no basketball hoop. Secondly, where the hell were his parents? His Who parents were probably in Las Vegas right now. Who the hell is responsibility is this kid? This kid is like 14 years old. Well, if you haven't noticed, this kid also had an issue with adults in the first place. So maybe yeah. he just hated all adults because of what his parents did to him. Maybe his parents were were just leaving him off, him thinking he can do everything because he's already doing it, pretty much. I mean, the adults didn't like him. The other kids didn't like him. Nobody likes him. He's like Jackie Chan and Rush Hour. Chris Tucker says, I don't like you. The FBI don't like you. And Jackie Chan. No one like you, man. And Jackie Chan says, "I come for the little girl." And he said, "The little girl don't like you. Nobody likes you. You came all this way for nothing." That's how I feel about Melvin. Nobody likes Melvin. He should have got eaten by the graboids. We'll, we'll get into that later. But because everyone liked Jackie Chan at least. Oh, 100. Yeah, of course. Even Chris Tucker liked him. Exactly. Okay. So let's talk about the graboids for a second. So you had an interesting theory about so, where they came from. I want to talk about their origin for a second because these are monsters unlike anything we've ever seen, although I do think they're heavily inspired by Jaws. Or at least but, our theories of what, because I'm, cause whatever we're theory, trying to not whatever theory, sequels. Whatever theory you give me is canon. Right. No, 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 I'm not the, no it's definitely not canon, folks. It's just our, our theory. <laughs> so... This I, is and the, is that this is based on so only. Do you have a problem with a? Only if I we, also mention what my wife's theory may also be about. Now I want to hear them both, but to frame it for the audience, this is based on only what we know from the first movie. He mentioned we're not going to bring the sequels into it. They may have given more backstory later on, but for the benefit of talking about the first movie, we're only going to talk about what's explained in this movie. So, my theory, I'll tell you all my wife's later, which I'm sure a lot more people are going to jump on. But my theory is the Graboids are actually aliens. Which would explain why no one has ever seen them up until the late 20th century, because they weren't on Earth until the late 20th century. And I think what dropped them were the Predators. <laughs> Wait a minute, hold on. Well, you thought I was joking about that? Before you continue, so the audience knows, so we can put the pieces of the puzzle together. Just so I know from my own personal interest, how much Mountain Dew did you consume before coming up with this theory? Um, Could you possibly have been high on the Dew before coming up with this theory? <laughs> I mean, that is always a possibility for me. All right, I'm sorry. Continue. Okay, but anyway, and the reasoning I come up with this is they actually have the same mouth. Yeah, true. Predators don't have the three tongues that... Yeah. They don't have the three snake tongues, but because this is also... Could be the Predator's pets from their planet, they could... That That's just their version of a cat mm -hmm. or a caterpillar. So let's go with caterpillar. So when they're, um, when they're hiking over the mountains and stuff and trying to get out of town, instead of doing that, Kevin Bacon should have said, get to the chopper. Go. Well, at the time the predator would have released the worms. Um, Kevin Bacon was releasing some bacon grease off the cliff right before waking up Earl. You are one ugly motherfucker. Uh, that's a line for Predator also. Um, okay. Gee, I wonder how I did not know that. Yeah. It's the only alien movie I actually really like is Predator. That's true. Uh, wait, well, what about the first um, first two actual alien movies? I didn't care for them. Oh, wow. That's a conference for the different day. Okay, okay. Go ahead. Keep going with your theory. But uh, that's pretty much my theory. I mean, as Vic said, I was high off the do. My wife, which she is more rational thinking than me, thinks that because we did we were introduced to a character that is there for a si to study seismic activity earthquakes 
she's thinking maybe an earthquake had happened there earlier before the movie started that we were not made aware of that could have opened up a crevice to awake that eventually also awaken these things and let them loose into the earth okay which i think most people probably get their heads more around that than my original theory well your original theory i'll say this i think it's definitely possible that they're aliens uh if you think about um you remember the movie the thing yes the spaceship comes to Earth and it crashes like in the ice, whatever like that, I guess, and it's underneath the ice mm-hmm. and then eventually it gets um, you know, whatever whatever. We'll talk about it when we get to it. <laughs> yeah, but a similar thing basically the idea is like the aliens came here, somehow landed underground basically, and then whatever. The pr- I didn't notice before the similarities between the actual graboids and the predator, but that now that you bring it up, that's an interesting there's there is some connective tissue that you're saying that makes sense. And also another connection they have is they're both hunters. Yes. Predator is just more on land, whereas the Graboid hunts underground through vibrations. Yes. And the Graboids will take human beings. They'll take down vehicles. They'll take down horses. Chickens. Sheep. Uh, pretty hum- much anything. Oh, Yeah. So, think about it. If both of them were together, that would be the most excellent hunting party. I agree. Wow. So, so that I like that part. The only issue with that part, of course, is obviously for, for copyright and, uh, and studio reasons, there would probably never be a crossover. Wow. Well, Tremors is universal. Uh, Predator, maybe, is universal? I think it is, but okay. We'll have to relook at that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The second theory, though, I think, as you said, is more likely as far as, okay, let's say they are aliens or whatever they are, they're in the ground, but then some kind of earthquake or something wakes them up. That makes sense, because the bottom line is, if they're a species that have been around for a long time, this would not be the first time that they're killing people, and something had to, like, initiate them suddenly attacking this town and coming to life. Earthquake makes sense. And there was one theory, actually, in the movie itself where the main, where the female lead actually stated that this thing is probably billions of years old before the fossil index. Yes. So it's been there, but something had to wake it up. Exactly. Now, also, um, my feeling also is that they could have done something where with the, with the uh, female, do we just want to call her student? Basically, she was basically a college student. Yeah, uh, her name was Rhonda. Rhonda. Okay. So before meeting her, Kevin Bacon had mentioned that, you know. Other college students had come previously, and that was like a thing. Like a, a student would come, study for a little while, and then go back. They could have tied that in somehow with whoever sent Rhonda, whether it be the government, the university. They actually knew about these things, and they were sending her to do more research. And then at some point in the movie, that could have came out. It's like a twist that the government knew about it. To the credit of the movie, the, the movie didn't want to add a lot of backstory. Mm. They wanted it just to be like a fun adventure ride. So, but we can theorize that, okay, if all these college students have been coming, why is she the first one to notice anything? Do they just literally just wake up right now? Um, and there's, also there's three of them. Four. Four. Four of them sons of bitches. Yeah, because after uh, the first one's death, then the girl comes back and says, actually, I think there's three more. Because around this time yesterday, it, there was one over there. Same time, there was one on the uh, three miles away, and then vice versa. She was going to say something else before she got interrupted. So, biologically, is it possible that it is just whatever, whatever an anaconda is for a snake? This is for like a worm. It's just a huge ass worm, basically. Somehow, biologically. I mean, but then it shoots out mini worms. That's some alien shit when it shoots the worms out there. Right. That don't seem biological. Where's the mini worms? The mini snake worms coming out. Or maybe it. it's the uh, xenomorph version of a worm. I mean, remember, uh, xenomorph does take uh, form depending on what it infected. So, Tremors came out in 1990, so truthfully, when they were writing it, it could have been influenced by all that stuff. Predator, aliens. Well, you can definitely tell. Thing. It's definitely influenced by Jaws. Oh, my God, yeah. The way those things go underground, the way the music builds to it, the POV shots, it definitely has a heavy Jaws influence, at least from the directing standpoint. Um, the other thing with the Graboids is that, okay, am I wrong? They either sense, they sense sound or just vibrations or movement. See, that's a hard one because they didn't com- really, they didn't really consistently nail that down. No, they didn't because uh, at one point 
the doctor even said they sent they feel the vibrations through the earth which sounds very plausible because they're subterranean yes but then they keep saying don't make a sound or you'll cause a vibration it still works with a vibration but the problem is with that is do they have a level of what kind of vibration they go after because no matter what you do you are always vibrating your heartbeat is a vibration going right. through and once the adrenaline kicks in heart rate goes up more adrenaline goes through so is there a certain level of vibration they're looking for to go hunting or not because it makes no sense and the right. movie is very inconsistent with that as well they play with that because sometimes they can be walking and just them walking is enough and then other times there has to be a machine on mm-hmm. like a serious vibration it does play loose with that it doesn't really nail it down how strong the vibration needs to be is it vibration is it sound they kind of play with that loosely and I don't know. They don't like yeah, because another thing, because like a one gag, in my opinion, I think is pretty funny. Is guy goes, well, all we need to do is not make any vibration. We just need to whisper. I'm like, you also need to stop breathing. Uh, you need to stop finding a way for your blood to be rushing through your veins. You also need to stop your heart. So pretty much, you need to be dead. Yeah. If you, that's the only way you 100% know you're not vibrating no more. I think they had like some some fun things they want to do and to do those fun things they couldn't get too specific with like the rules mm-hmm. the internal logic because they just want to do fun stuff or they're not looking to set up a real a universe here with like internal like internal well, logic because so. this movie does also end very conclusively there was i don't think there was an original plan for a sequel hell no. in this one hell no i think i saw like a documentary like a making of it and there was definitely no thought that this would be like children of the corn esque with like seven thousand sequels which not true there's only six sequels it's on pace though every year then a motherfucking one comes and what's bad is even with the pandemic you would have thought that that would have slowed it down there was another one that came out this year and what yeah well yeah i watched it don't don't remind me fuck i'm gonna get some feedback on that later on but anyway uh actually there was also supposed to be a new tv series with kevin bacon originally going to come back for it but they canceled it the trailer for that was excellent i was looking forward to it Uh, (laughs) i don't understand with all the bullshit on TV, I don't understand why they didn't get picked up. We have the return of Full House, the return of Saved by the Bell, but we can't get a damn Tremors reboot with Kevin Bacon back in it. Right. And it actually had Kevin Bacon. Right, yeah. You would think his star power would be enough to get that off the ground. And, by the way, it was rejected by the Sci-Fi Channel. Really, Sci-Fi? You can make 18 Sharknado movies? You can't give us a damn one season of Tremors? And please, people, do not ask us to do Sharknado. I like my sanity. Hell no. By the way, Sci-Fi, shame on you for Tales from the Hood 3. I know you didn't make it, but you let it debut on your channel, and shame on you. And I haven't watched it, but shame on you anyway. And, and also shame for Jeepers Creepers 3, by the way, also. Ruined the whole damn franchise. Sci-Fi used to be a great channel to go to when you want to watch a B-movie. Yeah, it used to. You're talking about like, like 1995, maybe. Yeah, like Lake Placid. Uh, all the Anaconda movies. Well, that's, yeah, they were just good movies that happened to show up on sci-fi, but now, since they're, like, involved in the production and they get, well, anyways, I don't want to get into the, the right, shittiness of all, sci-fi. Right, because um, we also already had a whole tangent on Boy Meets World. That's true. Um, okay, so the movie Tremors takes place in a town called Perfection. Perfection, yeah. Has, I don't see what's so perfect about it. Has, I know, it actually should be called Imperfection or the absence of perfection no town should be called perfection it sets the standard too high exactly especially a western town like that that you just do you think do you think towns like that still exist hell no everything that probably that town is now name one town that has only 14 people as the population so basically someone's moved in now and basically built a casino there and industrialized it probably exactly there's at least three walmarts there (laughs) Uh, right victor wong shop has been turned to a dunkin donuts which, that's one thing I want to talk about, is Victor Wong. What the hell is he doing in this movie? Why did they kill off the damn Three Ninjas Grandmaster? Wait a minute, wait a minute. It's funny you should that. I was going to say the uh, the wise dude from The Golden Child, <laughs> the dude from Big Trouble Little China. Um, the Grandmaster from Three Ninjas. It's funny you went to that first. That was that could be my well, first be Victor honest, Wong that's the, that's the first thing I've seen the man in, because... But he was a king in the 80s, man. He was in a lot of shit. And uh, to be honest with you, he's also, that's also the very first one was probably my favorite thing he's been in besides Big Trouble in Little China. But he did not have a major role in that one. It was a fun role. I don't. Yeah, it was a fun role, but, but he it only was came in at the last 30 minutes of it. Yeah, I, I, I can't in any context with a good uh, 
with good faith put three ninjas over any kind of big trouble in little china I will, or gold jobs well so. i don't put three i put three ninjas as probably as one of my favorites of his and that he's actually a major character so what the hell is he doing in tremors he's like, just he, to die he seems out of place in this movie definitely outside of kevin bacon he's probably the second biggest star in this movie so i want to say and something. he dies very early probably oh, about yeah. half an hour in no he dies about 45 to an hour in it's really unexpected too oh yeah but there's one thing I, uh, I, I'm going to very much embarrass my wife over. You know what she called that man when I pointed him out? Oh, is that Mr. Miyagi? Oh. <laughs> I was like, for one, wrong country. Yeah, it's not even this. So first of all, not to pile on her, but they don't even look alike. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi's a very skinny person, and Victor Wong, love him, but... He's got some bulk to him. Yeah, he's got some bulk to him. Um, Maybe they're similar height, but then... No, I think Mr. Miyagi's a tad bit taller. But they're not even the same country. No, because Miyagi is... Pat Moriarty is uh, Japanese. Victor is Vietnamese? Vietnamese, I believe, yeah. Fail on your wife's part. <laughs> well, I mean, this well, is show her show her the Karate Kid series, and she's got to come. She, to I've only gotten her to watch the first one so far. That's the only one she needs to see. Well, no, part two is probably my favorite one. Skip part three. Yeah. Skip the next Karate Kid too. Yeah. Unless you want to see Hillary Swank before she became famous. Oh, yeah. actually, <laughs> to play a joke on her, just show her the Jaden Smith one, and she'd be like, "Mr. Miyagi's Jackie Chan." <laughs> I won't lie. For they should not have called it Karate Kid, but I did enjoy the remake a little bit. I liked it, but it was a different movie. It was. They shouldn't have called it Karate Kid. It should yeah, have been it, something complete. I, I understand it's pretty much the same story, but it takes place in China where he's learning kung fu. It's a different movie. They don't even mention karate at least once in the damn movie. So Victor Wong in this movie is obsessed with money. Well, why wouldn't he? He wants to get the fuck out of perfection. He wants to get rid of that damn store. <laughs> but but he's offered like five dollars for like the snakes or like ducks. He got fifteen for it though. He did they, they did he, talk got, him. he paid fifteen for it and then he charged three dollar pictures. They talk him into fifteen dollars. Yeah. Well it was fifteen or twenty dollars, I think. Uh, it was fifteen because Kevin when he goes, I will give you five dollars for it. Val was like twenty. He goes, Okay, ten. And then you hear Ernie uh, Earl go. 15 he goes fine i'll give you 15 yeah then he goes around and pretty much makes it all back by getting three pictures of a little girl with the damn thing and he actually victor wong i'm pretty sure he came up with the name graboids yeah he did he said it he said Mm -hmm. graboids it's catchy and he had like a line that i think was like an inside not inside thing but it was like low-key and poor line he was like you know we're gonna want to have a name for it i think he said something like that and that's true like with it becoming a franchise you want to have the graboids line um, and yeah, what's so bad is, that was originally not even supposed to be what the things are actually called. They, I guess, a lot of people on the set just laughed hard at it when Victor Wong just bursted out with that. It's a good name. That the entire cast and crew just busted out into a laugh and went, That's the name now. Well, look, they originally considered calling the movie Land Sharks. Yeah, what kind of bullshit would that have been if the movie's called Land Sharks? I don't think anyone would have watched it. Hell no. Because they would just be like, what's this Jaws ripoff bullshit? Yeah, I mean, at least Tremors is catchy in Graboid. But that begs the question of why not just call it Graboids? Except the B-movie, like, uh, like Graboids, such a B-movie name. <laughs> like, they should just, like, lean into that and call it Graboids. Hey, I'm just saying. Don't look at me. So, um... I'm sure there's a lot of people who'd rather change their name to something else right now. That's true. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Give me lost in deep thought. Um, it's like, wow, that's a really philosophical uh, thing. Um, so, the beginning of the movie, we have Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward. I do like their dynamic. I like their friendship. They, um, you can tell they've been through the ringer together for years. They've been partners for years. They're doing every odd job they can find. A lot of bullshit jobs, it seems. Oh, yeah. They even They're, mentioned that one of their jobs was literally gardening for somebody for 50 bucks. Yeah. Which they also mentioned was $47 more than the last time they did it for them. They can't remember who made breakfast last or what they ate for breakfast. They can't remember if it's Trash Tuesday or I don't know what the hell Wednesday is. But um, So they're basically like on their last 
they they're pretty much done with the whole handyman job. They're the whole town. The whole movie really was them trying to get out of there. They literally packed up their truck. They're ready to go. They're driving, and then that's when they find the first body. It's a classic movie cliche where our heroes are leaving town, but they leave one day too late. Yep, and they even say that in the movie. So we have these kills at the beginning, which at first there's a mysterious feel to it because we have um no context no context we have they well they find a the guy on the clock tower uh um, it was an electrical tower oh that's true i'm thinking of back to the future never mind um yeah how dare you i thought it was those just, movies i up. thought i thought they found does da- victor wong look like doc brown to you yeah god well, damn it well the guy on the top of the damn electric tower looked like doc brown well the problem is theoretically he was up there trying to send marty mcfly back to the future well i'm but trying to what well, I'm trying to figure out is how the hell did that body not fall to the ground? I don't know. Like, was he, could he really be positioned the way he was? Because the way he was looked like he was leaning to the side. That's true. So, how in the world, and why did he not drop the gun? Because the gun was clutched in his hand still. All right, stay with me, I have a theory. So, he was stuck up there, right? Mm-hmm. Couldn't come down. He wanted to take a nap. Super glued his hands to the thing so he could take a nap without falling trusting the super glue would hold him up but he fell asleep and he just died in his sleep and didn't wake up well that's a better way than literally being awake dying of thirst yeah because he knows if he falls asleep he's probably gonna fall off the tower so by super gluing his hands dies in his sleep and that's the story of the old man on the electrical tower well here's another thing because throughout the whole movie we see these grab boys destroying everything the only thing they do not destroy is literally the uh the three thousand pound freaking bulldozer which they laid a trap for yes so the question is why do these thing not just destroy the electrical tower and make it fall to the ground i feel like that might have been three or four of them coming together to take down the tower though that was a big ass there were still four of them but do we know they could have done it but do we know that these things do the four of them do they are they conscious of each other do they work together as like a family the last two are they, did all, are they the s- their own separate entities the last two did the last two did but did they realize that their two brothers had been killed like i don't know that's probably why they were after they went after the town notice that they these things really were staying away from the town until after that very first one died so when they get stuck on the roofs for example right if all three of them had, say, attacked the, the foundation from each side together as one cohesive unit, they'd probably take down everybody and kill them. Oh, yeah. But it seemed like they were always all kind of spread apart, like one was busy off getting Chick-fil-A and the other one's attacking one of the smaller things and the other one is attacking Bird and, and Heather in the basement. You're They're all kind of spread out. You're very mad I got Chick-fil-A without you, aren't you? Absolutely. Should have brought me some damn Chick-fil-A sauce. Well, I wish you, you should have told me that. I'll okay. remember next time. All I'm saying is the Graboids... When they go to get Chick-fil-A, they bring them back for their, their other graboids. They have a meal, and then they go back to killing Kevin Bacon or trying to kill him. Okay. I'm so, about to say, they don't, get, they don't succeed in that. My point is, the movie doesn't really establish if they do like, um, travel in packs, like, like, a, like a breed or a herd kind of thing. They're pretty spread out over the town for the most part. Mm-hmm. If they work together, they'd probably be the most unstoppable collective unit there is, all coming from different angles at you in the ground. But then it's like, who, who gets the meal? Because they're eating these people. So it's like, if they're working together, it's like they got to together decide, you get to eat them, though, or I get to eat them. And that's probably why they just did it, you know. That's weird. It's not as well established. It's like, there's like we just know there's like four of them. Well, another are thing, they a family unit? We don't know. Well, here's another thing. And I think you brought it up. Uh, Amelia brought it up. And so I'm bringing it up. Uh, the movie starts off pretty much like a horror setting, trying to be as little as possible show what in the world you're going up against there's suspense showing the suspense showing these things is merciless when it comes to killing things when the people when the doctor and the wife get killed that's like a real horror movie scene oh yeah especially when she's in the car and you got the jump scare of them pulling the car down that felt like a horror movie now here's the question did they actually get her or did she end up suffocating in that car because we never actually see her body. We never see her get eaten. We just see the car gets pulled down. Kevin Bacon finds it. And then they leave. I would think it would have had to take some serious maneuvering with the, the mini worms to get her out of the car. Because she's in the vehicle as it goes down. And then they, they find the vehicle with the lights still on. Mm. So, well, she's dead anyway. Who cares? And oh, that's another thing. How the 
fuck is the car's lights on and the radio playing when the car was off to begin with? I don't know, but that's They even established she did not have keys. That's why she did not drive off. But That's a cool-ass scene, though. Another thing I want to bring up is the car's coming down. These things are literally dragging the car down. I don't care if I'm going to die one way or another. I'm at least going to get the fuck out of that car, and I'm going to try and make a run for it. Yeah, she would have died two minutes later, but... She still would have died, but still there's... You don't, she had no fight or flight instinct. What about the doctor? The doctor was like, she told the doctor, she was like, let's just get in the car and get back to town. And the doctor said, well, it might be something in the, some kind of uh, uh, earth, like he said some dumb shit basically and went back over and got sucked in the ground. And he said, help me! I was like, she's like, well, you should told you to leave. <laughs> Not a matter of fight or flight. My point is that, well, your point actually is that, yes, there's definitely a horror movie feel. But then the, but then the grab boys completely break character halfway through and just start shooting out of the ground and attacking people. Instead of becoming many, a Silent Jaws type killer, they become a, uh, a like a sequel Jason jump out at you and loud and aggressive, loud and aggressive, and, and kill you and yeah. make it as noisy as possible for everybody. Yeah, and I'm just and, and now I, I what's bad is the I watched it twice today. I didn't really pay attention to that really. It was my wife pointing that out to me that hey, why do these things just completely break character? So she redeemed herself for thinking that Victor Wong was Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, clown her for the first part, but then say you did redeem yourself with this great, excellent point for the moral. I mean, she also uh, asked another thing that I did look up uh, when they showed the full body of the dead one at the very first graboid that they killed. Yeah. Uh, she was wondering how they pulled off that effect. She found out it was just lightweight foam. Yeah, you have to admire, like, it's all, I mean, of course, it's all practical effects for the most part. Um, but when, when the worms first shoot out the damn mouth, I was like, holy shit, that looks cool. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so there's definitely a horror movie element. And to support your um, your predator theory, certainly in the first half an hour, those first couple kills are, like, predator-esque stalking. Like, really precise, precision stalking, taking, like, you know, whatever. That was, like, predator-esque. So one tidbit about that that I read basically is that the first half an hour is supposed to be a mystery. It's supposed to be a whodunit. Those first couple of kills are, are, were set up basically as like, well, this might be a human killer. But the studio wanted in the trailers to be able to show it as a monster movie. So they had to go back and from the very beginning show, like they had the, um, the, uh, the college, they had Rhonda basically, they, they showed her basically being stalked by like a monster at the beginning. So they went back to establish it as like a monster movie. So you kill that. But the, the idea initially, which probably would have worked better, was that, well, someone's killing people. We don't know what it is. And eventually we're going to get this big reveal where the, the worm comes out. being like, holy shit, it's a monster. But they, tr they want it to be like maybe like this is like a human killer. See, and that, that also makes a little bit of sense on that actual shot you were talking about with Rhonda being stalked by the creature because... You hear this because you see the thing stalking her because you're in its POV, and then all of a sudden you hear a really loud noise, but nothing happens. Like it mm. doesn't attack her, it doesn't even jolt her truck any. No. She just drives away. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there like, well, that seemed awkward. She's, it was, it was almost like, well, these other characters are all getting killed, but she got off, let, let off pretty easily there. Right. I mean, and like I said, the truck didn't even jolt, so the thing wasn't even there. Old Rhonda had that plot armor. Well, besides that. She had that plot armor. But she armor. didn't have Kevin Bacon's uh, stop thought of what a beautiful woman was. Do you remember what they were? I won't. Blonde hair and uh, something that won't quit for a week. No, what it was is he needs blonde hair, long hair. Long hair. Green eyes. Green eyes. Big boobies. And legs that won't quit for a week. An ass that won't quit, Damn. and legs that go all the way. He could not give that speech in today's, today's movies. Oh, hell no. That, would, that whole <laughs> thing, if it comes on TV again, they're going to cut that speech out right out. I think they already do, but it, because, to be honest with you, that's not really, I mean, I guess it is characterization because it shows. Yeah, it makes him look like an asshole. <laughs> well, it makes him an asshole, but it also gives him now a character, a kind of a character growth because he goes from being specifically that woman, that type of woman, to getting the girl in the end sort of and the only thing she has in his list is the green eyes i know i watched them I, I watched it I, wa I looked at her so there's two things i want to mention one thing is they mention his uh his ex-girlfriend at the very beginning too yeah uh, earl's like uh 
what happened to what's her face and uh, some. I forgot how they this. almost call her like a bimbo, but basically it's implied she's a bimbo pretty much. But but whoever that girl is, I almost assumed that maybe she was going to be in the town also, but she wasn't a part of the, the movie. There was just, she was just the girl that I guess broke his heart to where he needed something better than her, so he was looking more towards looks than personality. They frame him in general as an immature. Yeah, Earl's lecturing him basically as far as like you don't ever have a plan. Um, well, Earl, they, they kind of make him to seem like not the most reliable, consistent person. Well, at the start, he really isn't. I mean, look how many times it took him to hammer a freaking staple. Nine times. Ten. I he counted. Made, he hits a staple eight <laughs> times. Okay. He doesn't even hit the staple. He's just like this. Click, 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 click. It's like, dude, I can hammer better than that. That was good improv because uh, that was not meant to happen. And Fred Ward gave that genuine reaction. Um, did you think uh, also, am I crazy or do they almost at the at first, they almost hinted at like a, they were going towards a love triangle between those three. They Because he it, showed, they both showed interest in her first. And when they're doing the whole, uh, what's the pogle? The pogo, pogo scene. Thing? Yeah, pole vault scene. It kind of seemed like they were doing that and then. Trying to one up each other almost. And then like halfway through, they kind of dropped it and just turned to Kevin Bacon her. And it's almost like his friend bowed out and then started like supporting the idea of them. See, he started giving them looks and like. And that's the weird thing because actually when he first saw her, Kevin Bacon really had no interest in her. It was Earl that talked him into have to even think think about entertaining the idea of being with a woman that was not his standards. Yes. And then, and as and as you said, it just seemed like Earl also took it into account because he every now and then he gave her the rape eyes because he was not subtle with him still well, better. Well, he was giving her the uh, the talk. He was like, "Pardon my French," and he was definitely dropping lines that was like, "Were you right?" There was like the one upping, the kind of like, well. This is interesting if it's like a love triangle thing, but then, like right after that, he's giving them the look like, like telling Kevin Bacon like, yeah, you should make a move on her, mm-hmm. and looking at her like, hey, he's gonna make a move on you. Like, so they be, they be kind of became a third party. I'm supporting them getting together. By the end, he's like fully on board with them. I mean, he's a good friend, I guess. So yeah. the other thing I want to ask too is like, um, how how big is the age difference between Kevin Bacon and um, and Fred Ward? I would say probably close to five to eight years. You don't think okay? You don't think it's that big? big no, I don't think it's that big. It's big enough to where the guy, to where obviously the guy is more of a mentor to Kevin Bacon's character. He he he, he kind of plays a role as if in even look, more even, of a father even looks almost. wise, he looks a lot older. Mm-hmm. It looks like someone in his twenties versus somebody probably in his forties is how it looked like almost. Yeah, but again, but I can't say that because that's about the second part. So. Okay, well, yeah. Because I was going to mention something, but I'll mention that in the second part. And there will be no second part, so don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> I'll just edit that out. Um, the Okay, so one interesting about that whole romance and love story is that the end, you remember the end, what we see on screen is basically a kiss and you have the happy ending, right? Right. The originally filmed ending was him and Earl just leaving town. Without the girl. Without the girl. So they're going to go full Western with the two cowboys, the heroes pretty much, driving off in the sunset. sunset. It's it's something like Earl makes a joke about you should have kissed her, and then he, they laugh and they just drive off. The test audience was like, nope. We need them to kiss at the end. We need that. We need. They didn't like that, them leaving town without that ending conclusion. Because to be fair, too, as you to said, be fair. once the action starts... They mostly drop the romance angle. They're still together still, and doing things, mm-hmm. but they never really get a moment together after that where it's like, so if they if they didn't pay it off at the end, I wouldn't have been that mad, but I can see where them kissing is like a perfect end to the movie also. be honest with you, I think movies should stop with the damn test audiences because there are a lot of movies out there that the original endings get scrapped and when I finally hear about the original endings compared to what we get yes the original ending sounds so much better on this movie you think so actually yes I don't know maybe I'm like a romantic sucker but I like the um, I mean I have no problems with it either I, I think the ending I think the original ending is more true to their characters though yeah. the idea that they're just like this was fun and now they're just driving off and he's telling him you should have kissed her that seems more true to their characters but in the spirit of Kevin Bacon's now like, you know, a hero, it's mm-hmm. like, 
Okay, that's the hero's ending then when he kisses the girl. Well, yeah, but again, if we're going with the Western angle, even the Westerns, heroes is them being alive by the end of the damn movie. Yeah. Some of those Westerns get pretty brutal. So, well, that's true. So them pretty much being alive and driving off in the sunset, that is still considered a hero's ending for a movie that wants it to was, try and do a Western ending. It was a happy ending either way. This was just kind of a, an extra feel-good. This is like um, an extra icing on the cake, basically. You already had the, the cake itself tastes good. It's like an extra, for those who like vanilla ice cream with their cake, this is the vanilla ice cream with the cake. Um, it depends on the cake. I'll get chocolate. Or vanilla ice cream on a brownie is way better, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. That's part of the whole slasher to action adventure thing. One thing that I noticed that was kind of a pet peeve. It wasn't a pet peeve, but you have, like, we have 14 people in the town. The first half of the movie, you're killing off characters. Victor Wong goes down quick. Uh, one dude um, who doesn't really develop that well gets, like, gets, off. He gets sucked into... Um, He's stupid too. He he gets knocked off his thing and he oh, goes, yeah, and he he goes into a tire. tire. <laughs> From everything he's seen so far in the movie, what makes him think that's going to protect him? They all they told him was stay off the ground. They didn't tell him anything else. That don't care. The guy was an asshole. He, he knows by that time that they get you from a, from the ground. I was honestly when I first saw it, I do remember my reaction to this guy. When I very first time I saw, it, I was like, "Hey, dude, where's that pickaxe you were talking about?" Yeah, because he did. He was acting all macho. I was like, "I dare those things to come at me. I'll take a pickaxe to the head." Instead, he thinks this is water world, like a water park, and he gets in a little <laughs> tube and says, "Hey, let's go on an adventure." I get sucked right down and right. killed. I'm just sitting there like, "Bye, bitch." So my problem is, after that kill, we still have six, seven, eight, nine characters left. And, and actually, I think that was the last kill too. This is my point. The last 40 minutes of the movie, we have all these characters left, and they're going to make this epic journey to um, the next town by going through the mountains, and they all make it. There's no more deaths. Right. I, they all make it. I don't... I like the I like the characters, and I think it's a great cast of characters, minus Melvin, the little bastard Melvin. I said because... I do like how uh, Burt Gummer got him to move from that tractor, though. Give him, uh, give him the, gun, him the, the gun, and then when the kid tries to shoot it at the grab boy, he goes, Bert, you jackass, there's no gun. Got you to move, didn't it? <laughs> I thought for pure audience satisfaction, the test audience, beyond the kiss thing, they should have said, you know, you could have had Melvin get sucked out too at some point. Right. I, I mean, thought that would have been... And you can't I, sit there and go with, oh, well, we can't kill kids in movies. Like, well, guess what? This is a PG-13 movie. You are not going to see the death. He's not a kid. He's at least 14 years old, I'm telling you. But the thing is, like, towards that last stretch to keep the suspense up and the, these things are still a menace. Because, let's be honest, by that point, it's like, okay, they're a menace, but our heroes are winning now. They're basically kicking their ass. Just sucking down one more, um, or the woman with the daughter, just sucking down one more would have just en enhanced the threat of the last 40 minutes a little bit. Oh, especially if you suck down the daughter. Who, by now, the way... Now, that would have been messed up. Who, by the way, played in Jurassic Park? What? Yep, she was the uh, teenage girl. Holy random reference, Batman shit. I mean, I couldn't help it. Yeah, I'm dead serious. And she comes back for a later movie. No. Tremors 3. Oh, my God. Same actress. Your knowledge of the sequels is both disheartening and disappointing. Well, and that's because I've only seen the first three. And we're still going to get your feedback on those in a second. But listen, all I'm saying is you should have killed off some more characters. This, the last 40 minutes, the music is like upbeat you get this real like Indiana Jones adventure feel to it. Mm -hmm. All horror is gone, basically. Now we're just straight action adventure. And it's cool, but it's definitely a different tone from the first 45 minutes. Different tone, and as you said, the intensity is gone because now, at this point, characters are safe. Almost yep. immediately, you turn from horror to action. There's no real danger to the characters, especially being a PG-13. No, basically when... um. I think when the when the when the grab boys lose their danger is one of my favorite scenes when they attack the basement <laughs> where Bert and Heather are, and the line at the end of the scene is "Broke into the wrong damn uh, basement, didn't you? Uh, broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you? Yeah. Now, <laughs> what a what a what a pro gun firearm statement the director made here. It's like, well. You know, if you own firearms and the Graboids come into your damn rec room, if you have every single assault weapon and every single military weapon you could think of on your wall, well, what you might be okay. What eventually did it is the elephant gun. Holy shit, yeah, they had an elephant gun. And the another thing is another thing I did not pick up on 
I'm sure you probably didn't either. My wife did because her family, big pro gun. My family's big pro gun, but hers is even better because she's got she's actually shot more. And she's better shot than I am. Hmm. I have no problems admitting it. I'll give her if someone breaks into our house, I give her the gun. I take I keep the knife. Okay. I do more. I do more pain. Anyway, um, I just play video games. Anyway, so, uh, so anyway, the uh, so she mentioned she noticed that all the guns on their shelf was already loaded, armed, bullet in the barrel, Woo! ready to go. They yet, that they're, yet their main weapon that was the most effective against the graboids, the elephant gun, he actually had to take the time still to load it. So this couple is basically, they're ready for a zombie invasion, alien invasion, any kind of invasion. They got their shit together. The Predator, Predator himself could have broken that record room. And even Predator would have been like, that's like, damn. I don't know, the Predator would have had fun. How much you want about that? that Predator would have been grabbing guns with him and just start shooting everything. That's true. Um, I like those characters a lot. So that's, that's Michael Gross who would go on to be like in all the sequels, I believe, right? All of them, including the last one. And what's funny is he played like a very straight-laced dad in the, the sitcom Family Ties. He was Michael J. Fox's dad. Uh, this was the first thing he did after that show. So funny to see him in this like aggressive action type role. Um, and his wife is Reba McIntyre, the country singer. Yes, she is. And this is also the only one she's in. Based on the strength of hair, which apparently the audience has liked her a lot in this, she had a damn sitcom called Reba. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was that, successful. It's ba- actually, it was a pretty funny show, too. And that's probably why she came to the sequels. She yeah. actually was pretty popular after this movie. So. Oh, yeah. She. Uh, they asked her to come back, and she said no. They all said no. Uh, actually, Kevin Bacon originally was supposed to come back for it. Really? I think, yeah, but he was actually already doing something. Reba herself, who probably could have taken time from her show to come back, she could. She said no. See, I always thought Kevin Baker was negative towards it until recently. I know recently he's kind of like started to talk about it more. And he did the, as you said, the the pilot for the new show. Right, but but yeah. in the 90s, I'm not sure if he was like like proud well, of it though. That that's the funny thing about the sequel. Sequel came out 14 years after the original. Wow. It came out in 2004. The original was 1990. Holy cow! So they took a long time to put it to put it together. Mm-hmm. And there's still no Tremors video game. Nope. What the hell? Which is funny because they show that there's a Tremors video game in the actual movie. Oh. It's called Graboid. Yeah, that sounds like a damn... Uh, <laughs> it uh, was an arcade game, too. For the 90s, that sounds like a perfect Nintendo 64 game. Thank you. Super Nintendo something. Oh, yeah. The mistakes... Uh, another mistake I noticed in the movie. There was a... Uh, so when they first run into the rancher's house and they never sit, and they don't see him, they pull the hat, see his dead head. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kevin Bacon goes, what the hell is that? But instead of you know, making the next necessary cut, what they do is, I guess, Kevin Bacon forgot to do a certain action he was supposed to do. So he pulls the action again, which is, I think, he grabs his hat off his head and th- throws it to the ground. Oh, yeah. And then says the line over again. I'm just like, for one, wow. why, would, why did you have to say it twice? I mean, your buddy's already behind you. You ran into him as you jumped back. So first thing is the pole vaulting scene. I actually have an issue with that because throughout the whole scene, you see Kevin Bacon trying different things to see if the Graboid's still there, which it is. Hmm. Including taking a small 2 by 4 poking the ground, and then you see the tentacles come up. It comes, it. comes up, yeah. So explain to me how, a, how that got their attention, but people pole vaulting from rock to rock, sticking the stick in the ground, does not cause the graboid to attack okay that's a good point because they pole vaulted at least like four or five rocks uh i want four or five maybe six at most it's enough time for between the three of them for the graboids to come to its senses and see what's happening and probably meet them at that last rock basically Mm -hmm. especially since that graboid also is supposed to be the smartest one it's the one that got stuck on kevin bacon's truck you and which is told by one of the tongues being just ripped off. And it moves extremely fast on the ground. Exactly. So, and to be honest with you, it does actually meet him at the truck. But again. No, they get, they get, they get a good. They get a good like. Ten seconds at the truck. Exactly. Though. And they, and what's even worse is all the characters are like, well, once we hit that truck, we got ten seconds pretty much before they start attacking. I'm just like, why weren't they already following you at least? Yeah. We don't even see the earth being disturbed. We have to buy that 
that whole goofy like five minutes where they're pole vaulting that the grab boys were just sitting back at the original rock and just being like hey are you still here exactly like, i don't know why they, that's so the, why the grab boys we go was. especially since this is supposed to be the smarter grab boy the one that shoots a damn bomb back at them after swallowing it i'm not sure if i buy the idea that one would be more intelligent than the other or that well, they're learning as they go maybe but well they kind of are because one thing we established though they're smart at the beginning they're more cerebral at the beginning when they're doing their kills and coming up. Well, yeah, but the thing about they're it, showing their ass by the end of it. Hell, by the hell, by the climax, that shows the intelligence level of some of them. Because the again, you got two left. Now they do this exact same trap for both of them. Yeah. One of them swallows the bomb, explodes. The second one swallows the bomb, shoots, shoots it, back. it back out. So again, it learned from the other's mistake. Explain to me how they shoot that they shoot it back, and even that. Doesn't doesn't kill, doesn't kill off any of our characters. All of our characters get off the rock, and then uh, the three main characters end up like three miles away from the rock. Right? How did they? How they end up that far out? They ran. Anyways, so one, one thing to pitch about the or one thing to say about the ending too is that uh, I was telling you earlier. Basically, one cool thing is that Kevin Bacon's plan at the end. Well, he's thinking stampede, and at the beginning of the movie, they play off the fact that the beginning of the movie he wakes up Earl with a stampede thing, and Earl mentions that he'd been in a stampede. So they play it off at the end, basically. But also just the idea that Kevin's Bacon, Kevin Bacon's character is made fun of at the beginning or lectured about never having a plan. And at the end, it's, I got myself a plan. And one thing, uh, speaking of the plan, because this is really never uh, laid out what the plan is exactly. This you watch thing, the movie, you'll see what the plan was. Well, yeah, but if you watch this on the surface, you think that his plan is just to wait and throw the bomb, basically. But the stampede plan is to miss the bomb on purpose to get the grab boy to speed up and then go off the mountain, basically. Well, yeah, because he because so. the actual bomb would have scared the grab boy enough to still go after its prey, but go faster. But go faster to get away from what just hurt it. And he dives out the way. Exactly. It's a perfect, perfect, perfect plan. Um, one thing I want to mention also because at the end we got a uh, "Can you fly, you?" Uh? Now, oh yeah, this funny tidbit is that. The movie originally had 22 cuss words. Well, 22 F-bombs. And um, they originally was given a rated R from the MPA. Just for language, nonetheless. Just for language, not for violence, just for language. Well, there's barely any violence in it. So Everything this, is done underground. So the studio had to have a PG-13 rating, so they went back and took out 20 out of the 22 F-bombs removed. And that's why you get... Stuff like Mother Thumper, is it? Mother Humper. Mother Humper. And you, and if you pay attention to and Kevin what, Bacon's what, mouth. What the, sh- what the shit, also, by the way. Yeah. And if you pay attention to Kevin Bacon's mouth, when he says Mother Humper, you can definitely tell he's not saying Humper. No. Not at all. <laughs> by the way, what the shit is a great line. <laughs> I feel like more people should just be like, hey, what the shit? But the last thing I wanted to kind of gripe about is, so we mentioned about the vibrations and how... No matter what you do, you're always causing vibration. So there, you got the scene where Kevin Bacon is trapped between two of the Graboids trying to get to the tractor. Yes. Now, when the minute they realize the Graboids are now going for him and not that other tractor that they try to use as a decoy, the girl tells him, stop, don't move. Yes. And then he just stops and the Graboids sitting behind him while using the tongue to look for him in front. And I'm just like, ah. why is this thing not attacking? For plot convenience. I mean, because... How it reacts to our main, our main characters is definitely different than how it reacts to everybody else. Right. Cause, That's that plot armor. Because, again, also you got the whole bit where, you know, with something like that in your face, you're about to... You already know you are about to die the minute you make one wrong move. True. His heart would be beating out of his damn chest, causing the vibrations in his body to be moving even faster. That's true. And then you also got the part where he tried to, where the thing was getting close to him, so he picked his foot up, so the thing didn't touch him. But then he puts it back down, so of course the tongue tries to go back after it, instead of the actual whole graboid coming from the damn bottom. Well, again, it goes back to, yeah, exactly, it goes back to, okay, the foot thing, are we going by the vibrations now, are we going by the sound? But then also, as you said, why doesn't the whole damn thing just come up and take him down? Yeah, the minute he puts his foot back down on the ground, vibration 
you got a bigger vibration there, so the thing knows there is actually something there. There's certain moments where like even when um think you think about the idea of that the re- how they found out about the worm is because originally the one of the snakes got caught up on the truck, the, mm-hmm. the bottom wheel. When does the grab boy choose to just like send a little mini snakes out versus just collectively itself coming up and taking the truck down? Exactly. It could have took the truck down pretty easily, but it just it chose to send its little snake little snake bastard monsters and, come out. And to be honest, that kind of goes with Jason Voorhees. Holy as shit. Well, how are we going to do this? How are we going to uh, put this with Jason? I well, easy. Because think about it. With the main characters, Jason always turned from a killing machine to a goofy slap fighter. Yes. Uh, same with this. When it comes to the main characters, the Graboids did not act like how they would have acted in an original They're situation. They're cerebral, like, stealth assassins with all the minor characters, but with our main characters... They take stupid pills. Exactly. And become, uh, instead of grab boys, they become the Three Stooges. And it's pretty much, really, a problem with the whole slasher horror movie genre in the first place. Yes. It's always when it gets to the final characters that the killers just go from killing machine or smart to being very fucking stupid. You got to keep the killer smart, basically, throughout the whole movie. At least let the main characters outsmart the villain. Yes. That makes a better. That would make for a better ending to me. Absolutely. Okay, let's get to our overall thoughts. So for me, all that said, certainly there's definitely plot holes. But at the same time, in a movie called Tremors with a villain, a fake Jaws villain type worms called Graboids, can you really expect not to have plot holes? No, there's going to be plot holes. The plot holes are acceptable because it still allows for a fun first half horror slash second half action adventure. I'm just going to call it action-adventure overall. It's a fun movie. I like all the characters. My one, my two grievances are, first of all, I would have liked one more character to die in the second half of the movie, preferably Melvin, because the son of a bitch was doing these stupid pranks, never showed a likable bone in his body. He was easily expendable. He could have killed Melvin. Or killed the little girl, because she was not easily expendable. I like the little girl. But, but again, that would have added a lot more. It's like, oh, this movie just killed a little girl? What else are they going to do by the end of it? That would have went from fun B-movie vibe, though, to, holy shit, they killed a little girl. <laughs> um, so that's really my, actually really my only real issue with the movie. Um, Melvin not dying. And um, actually, I was thinking there was a number two, but there's really not a number two. So that's my main thing. Everything else is a fun movie. You do have to turn your brain off and just watch. But for me, for doing like a four-star thing, I'm still doing three stars. Uh, way above average. Um, rewatchability is there, though. That's a movie that I think Nick watched like like once every ten years. But you can watch this like once every <laughs> couple years and have a good time with it. Um, so I'm going to give it three stars for me. And uh, I'm going to hand over to Nick to give his overall thoughts. So my overall thoughts is good good cast of characters we get to learn a good amount especially about the main characters you get to learn enough about the monsters to keep you engaged in the lore and come up with your own ideas honestly movies that make you come up with your own ideas of what these things are actually is more fun it's more interactive now i there's actually one more thing i'm gonna say there was a pogo stick in there that was magical Oh, yeah. The one where Kevin Bacon tackles the little girl off, and that pogo stick just it kept going it. by itself. Yeah, I'm just like... It's like an electronic pogo stick or something. Right, it's like, damn, how fast does Kevin Bacon have to move to keep the pogo stick there? Wow. But, um... It's true. Overall, for me, I'm going to give it a two. More, more on the average, it's not bad, but to be honest, I... Probably not going to watch it again until somebody goes, Hey, well, how about a follow-up on, your, on what Tremors was like? It's like, okay, give me a day. <laughs> well, you're a little bit harsher. But I think also, to be fair, I like it, but I actually do have a strong nostalgic bias towards it because of how many times I saw it as a kid, basically. Um, but I, I, I can respect that. I can see watching it with today's goggles without any nostalgic bias. I can see thinking it's pretty average. I, I think if you look at it strictly in terms of like a B movie and a fun movie, but you do got to turn your brain off. So if you can actually just kind of get in the same mode as like a killer clowns from outer space or like a um like an anaconda basically or a well deep blue sea was a more serious but the first one was fairly serious yeah but basically into a b monster movie type five it's amazing it's not gonna hold up against like a predator or an aliens or the thing like a real serious monster movie but it's 
top of the line in that B movie category with like Anaconda and um, and definitely better than all the Sharknado movies. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, oh by the way, just a quick note and um, just because I don't think we'll watch them. Do you recommend the sequels at all, or do you just feel like skip them? Uh, from well, what you've seen. To be honest with you, if you want a little bit more lore that actually comes with from the minds of the creators themselves, it would be best to go ahead and watch them at least the at least two and three because they not only add a little bit more lore to the creatures, but they also add evolutions to them. Mm. Um, whenever the hell we do them, we will talk more about that. But never. Y- hey, you're the one who said you want to do this series next. Hell no! I said the first one. You don't listen, want to do it? Listen, right next to Children of the Corn sequels, they Tremor sequels. All of them. Never. All of them have great B-movie promise. No, no. Can't Creature do it. Creature features. Can't do it. Oh, okay. Well, when we do Troll 2, then we can do that. All right? How about that? No, we already I'll agreed. trade you Troll 2 for the entire Tremor I'm pretty series. sure we already agreed to do Devil Devil's Carnival for Troll 2. Oh, shit. All right, I gotta find. Some, okay. Either all right, way, all right. Well, I gotta find something else for you to trade uh, the Tremor series for. Well, either way, whenever the hell we do it, don't expect it anytime soon. But actually, I bet I bet I know how to get Vic to do it. Everybody who watches anywhere that can possibly do comments, or if you know Vic or you know me, tell us you want us. Give us a request to do it. I guarantee you, Vic will. Don't do, do it. Do it. Don't do that to your friend, Vic. Do it. All right, on that note, we're going to go ahead and call it a wrap on this week's show. I uh, hope you enjoyed the new format. We're probably going to do it like this going forward. And uh, we'll see you next week. Take care. See you next week.